Have you been thinking about attending Marie's classes but just haven't gotten around to it yet? Well, this could be the year for you. Marie has a great lineup of classes and a great new location. Join Marie every third Wednesday of the month at the Marriott Redmond Town Center from 7 to 9 p.m. Topics vary each month and range from embracing your intuition to learning how to surrender and let go so that you can manifest your desires. If you want to delve even deeper, Marie offers an all-day Saturday class entitled Change Your Beliefs, Change Your Life. This workshop will get to the core of an individual's belief system in order to provoke positive, lasting changes in their lives. This is definitely the class for you if you feel as if your external life does not match your internal desires. Visit Marie's website at energyintuitive.com for a complete list of classes. That's energyintuitive.com. Marie is excited to announce the release of her brand new CD, A Healthy Immune System. A healthy immune system is the key to good health and vitality. On this CD, Marie explains what the immune system is and how the different components of the immune system function within the human body. You'll also gain a better understanding of energy medicine as it relates to the immune system. Marie shares exercises and meditations throughout this CD so you can create a healthy immune system and vital state of well-being. Also included with this CD is a diagram of the immune system and a brief glossary of terms for easy reference. To order your copy of Marie's new CD now, please visit her website at energyintuitive.com. Welcome to the Marie Manucherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 16 years of professional healthcare experience and began my career as an energy medicine practitioner while working as an oncology nurse at a Seattle area hospital. My medical background combined with intuitive insights and skill in moving energy have been a catalyst for transformation in many people's lives. I hope the next hour will be transformative for you as well. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. I'm Marie. We are live here just outside of Seattle. It's a gorgeous day. It's actually in the high 70s. I guess it's going to get somewhere in the 80s. Is that true, Eric? Are we going to get that hot here in Seattle? That's what they say. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Toasty Thursday. Toasty Thursday. I like that. So, yeah, I was watering all my plants before I left, and, of course, I'll have to water again tonight. As most of you know, because I've had it posted on the website, and thanks to everyone who came to the Wednesday night class at the Marriott last night, um, that we have a wonderful guest here tonight we have or this afternoon I mean we have Dr. Jill Bolte Taylor who's a neuroanatomist who had a stroke about probably close to nine years now and Dr. Taylor wrote a book called My Stroke of Insight and she's live with us here in the studio via the phone hello Dr. Taylor hi it's great to be here oh thank you so much for taking room in your busy schedule and letting us here in Seattle and of course um, the show is listened via the web as well so we'll have people from all over the country and sometimes outside of the country listening so welcome Um, so great to have you thank you yeah um, so your recovery took approximately eight years correct yeah yeah And I met you in Jackson Hole, and you were just a wonderful speaker, very animated. You really described how being in your intellectual brain basically stopped for you after the stroke and how you learned to be more in the right brain and more present and aware and kind of receptive to the energy around you. Right. Right. Yeah, as, as the left hemisphere shut down in its normal function, part of that is language. Mm-hmm. And as I lost language and the ability to communicate with words, then I gained 
something in the absence of that distraction towards definition and detail. And it was a shift into that consciousness of the right hemisphere, which is the bigger picture connected to all that is, no definition of boundary. And for me, it was really a delightful experience. I know. I, as I was rereading the book again in you know, preparation for our interview today, um, you were talking about your moment in the shower, how you felt. So for our listeners who are maybe aren't aware, um, you had a stroke in December. Um, I can't remember exactly what year was that, Jill. You, I'm sorry. You cut out on me? Oh, I see. You had a stroke. And what year yeah. was that exactly? Oh, that was 1996. So it was 13 years ago. 13 years ago. And it was in the left yeah. hemisphere of your brain. Uh, yeah, I lost the left hemisphere. And uh, in the course of four hours, uh, I watched my mind completely deteriorate in its ability to process all information. So by the afternoon of the stroke, I could not walk, talk, read, write. I had no recollection of my life. And I was uh, essentially an infant in a woman's body with nothing but the present moment experience. Wow. And while that deterioration was occurring, at least for the first few hours, you were really conscious of it. Well, kind of in and out of enjoying the reality of life in a different way than you had experienced it. But because of your wonderful training and expertise in the anatomy of the brain, you were actually watching what was happening to you. I did. It was, uh, you know, as, as anyone who studies what they love uh, or loves what they study, for me, it was the brain. It had always been the brain. And so uh, at the age of 37, to wake up one morning and have this bizarre experience happen to my own mind and to be able to witness it and, and pay attention to it and analyze it and try to understand with curiosity what is going on with me, what is going on with my brain, uh, to be able to, to have that process go on for, for four hours was, was really um, essentially my own experiment, uh, if you will, and my own exploration into the brain and how when you have trauma to the left hemisphere and you shift into the experience of the right hemisphere, what does that really feel like? Um, and, and to be able to recover language, to be able to tell the story for others, to be able to share in that awareness, uh, it's just been a, a phenomenal ride, and, and really I see it as a, a tremendous gift to my life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely wonderful. There's an excerpt in the book where you talk about being in the shower during this, you know, continuing of the stroke episode, you know, the first several hours of the experience and how the water felt so completely different and how you were mesmerized and at times going to that alarm from your intellect telling you that this isn't normal, but that the experience was so amazing to be so incredibly present to hitting, you know, having water hit your body. Absolutely. It was, um, uh, I was captivated by the present moment experience and with no distraction and mm-hmm. it was it was quite beautiful mm-hmm. um, because it, it was there there was no distraction with words with language and uh, it was it was you know I I, I can't say I'd, I'd ever want to do it again but <laughs> I'm glad that it happened uh, once because I, I had such an insight uh, into the experience of, of the brain mm-hmm. I remember during your talk that you finally realized that you needed to get some help and you picked up the phone and to dial a colleague so that you could get some help and how it, you're not really sure, perhaps maybe you know now, but how much time it took to dial the phone number because your brain wasn't registering the numbers and you'd have to keep looking at the piece of paper and then the phone. 
Yeah, and um, I don't know how long it took, but I do know that it took me 35 to 45 minutes to identify what the phone number was because wow. I couldn't remember the phone number. And so I had to identify it on a business card. And yet when I looked at the business card, I could discriminate the letters and the words and the symbols from the pixels of the background because all I could see were these pixels everywhere. Wow. So um, it, 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 my, my brain didn't focus and, and could not identify that, yes, this image of the card that I have in my mind, I can match in the external world. So there was a, a major disconnect there. So it's it, uh, 35 to 45 minutes for me to just identify the number, and then I had to match the shape of the squiggles on the phone pad to the shape of the squiggles uh, <laughs> on the card in order to be able to dial that number. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, obviously you have a, a great ability to focus, you know, just in the work that you've been doing for years, you know, learning a, lo- a lot of anatomy and teaching it to students, you know, future physicians and, and all of that good stuff that maybe that was that strong part of yourself helped you to maintain those pixel squiggles long enough so that you could actually um, dial the phone number and get the help that you needed. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I really credit um, uh, my brother, uh, mm-hmm. who's the, the reason why I grew up to study the brain in the first place. He's been diagnosed with schizophrenia. And um, in being in relationship with him, uh, he, I really evolved the circuitry of my, my childhood because I was in relationship with him. And I really think that it was that, you know, get up and go and um, uh, attitude and framework and determination that that got me, um, that saved my life, really. Wow, that's absolutely amazing. In the book, you also talk about how when you began to recover, which was about an eight-year process, and of course, you know, you wanted to go back to your work, so that means relearning math at high levels and having a strong vocabulary and a strong um, ability to understand science, which, you know, is one of the reasons why it probably took so long. One of the things you talked about was how you have disciplined your mind not to go into the worry and the ego and the negativity, that as that started to maybe come back in some reference, you really decided to make different conscious choices. As I, well, the way that I look at the brain as a neuroanatomist is that the brain is made up of these cells, and cells communicate with cells and circuits, and circuits then result in some ability or function. And when the left hemisphere went offline, I didn't go unconscious, I didn't die, I just lost half of the circuitry that I was used to running. And so part of that for me was was language. And part of language is the ability to say, I am. I am an individual. I am a single. I am solid. I am separate from you. This is my name. These are the details of my life. This is my ego center. It's part of who I am and who I define as myself. In the absence of that circuitry, I shifted into the consciousness of my right hemisphere where I did not have that definition of self as I had defined myself before. Mm -hmm. I did not have language as I had used language before. Mm -hmm. And I did not have some of the other circuitry that went with that character and that personality of the person that I had been before. And so part of that was my emotional circuit circuitry of anger, and there's a, a little portion of my my language center, um, and I call my language center the peanut gallery because it's it's always uh, it's always chatting, brain chatter, 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 chatter. 
And um, uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's literally about the size of the piece, so it's like, <laughs> or a peanut, so I call it a peanut gallery. And um, But you know, the beauty of that group of cells is that they are there designed to, to weigh and introduce me to my life, to remind me of my life, to remind me of the details of my life, to keep me abreast of what's currently happening in the present moment, and to compare that to past so that I have some preparation for the future. So all of that circuitry went offline, and when the, the anger circuitry went off and the mean little voice got turned off, then when I was in the absence of those things, life was very nice. Mm-hmm. And I loved not having any, any, any ability to experience anger because the, the circuit itself was no longer functioning. So with time, the circuitry became well. I had to have uh, major brain surgery. They removed the blood clot the size of a golf ball, wow. which put, took the pressure off that, la- that uh, left hemisphere in those language centers. And once that happened, then the trauma started to um, heal, and that circuitry wanted to come back online. And so the first time I felt my body experience anger, I had no idea what it was. Mm. And I had actually had to be taught what anger was so that because I was having all of this physiological reaction and that's what we call anger. And I didn't like the way that it felt inside of my body. It felt extremely unhealthy for me. Uh, my heart was racing, my my breath was, was short, my my so uh, my chest was tight, my jaw was clamped, my the furrow in my brow was there. Um, you know, I was I was expressing the physiological response of anger, and what I learned was that I have the ability to say to my body, "No, I don't want to run that circuitry. I don't like the way that it feels. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel healthy." And when I hear when I feel it start to to rile up and to run, I'm going to pay attention and I'm going to think about other things and I'm going to dissipate it so that I don't run that circuit anymore. And this is, um, uh, I call this stepping to the right, mm-hmm. choosing to consciously choose to run the circuitry of your right hemisphere instead of that left hemisphere circuitry, and to be able to then pick and choose who and how you want to be in the world from a moment-to-moment situation. Right, which is what all of us are, you know, everyone who's working in, you know, self-awareness and um, metaphysical beliefs and, and whatnot, that's what they're all aspiring to do, is to be able to get out of the worry and the concerns and the negativity and actively, consciously choose something different. So you, right. you got the glory of doing that I'm, I'm under these difficult circumstances, obviously, that you would not want to repeat, of course. But what a great experience so that perhaps you can teach others to do that as well. And in the book, we, we, you and I talked about it briefly before we went on the air, how much you love rain just hitting it on your face, standing at the edge of the ocean, letting the mist hit you, and that it really brings you back to that wonderful place of nirvana. You know, right. For, for me, it's, it's really any kind of movement, whether it's a, a breeze on the face or rain on the face. Um, wind uh, is perfect for it because it, it just shifts me into the experience of what is happening and and allowing myself to go and be the energy that is that movement Um, so for me it's very easy for me to drift out of my left brain stuff and into my right hemisphere experience partially because i know what it feels like Um, i spent so much time in that silent mind and i just got to be the right hemisphere experience of the world which for me was beautiful so mm. and now as, as things come back 
it came back online in order for me to make that shift and to make that conscious decision to to choose the shift um it's uh it's something i do regularly because life can be very stressful and i right. don't like the way the stress feels inside of my body so i do make that conscious effort to shift my back into the present moment where i essentially disconnect my my fear mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I think we all have that capacity. I agree. You know, one of the things I um, teach is to help people move in their body and tactically perceive their environment, whether which is exactly what you do with the movement of the wind or the rain against your face, whether it's feeling the fabric of your clothes on your skin. But that is a very effective way to move into the present body or in the present right. moment. Yeah, it's very effective. Yeah. Yeah, yeah using the senses. The senses are the tools that we have in order to be able to experience the present moment. So capitalizing on any of the senses is uh, is perfect for right. uh, bringing ourselves into that that cognition. And you've been touring, you know, I, I understand you've been taking a little bit, well, you're, are you in here in Seattle right now, actually? Are you here visiting in Seattle at the moment? No. No, no I was in I was in the beautiful state of Washington <laughs> last month, ah. and I was shocked to discover that you have desert there. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes. I did not know. I was <laughs> expecting, I was in, uh, I was in uh, the south eastern area and it yes. was desert and i'm thinking <laughs> that's a dust storm and these are tumbleweeds <laughs> it was very exciting i had no idea i was really expecting all this lush green <laughs> so in your travels you know because you've been very busy you know giving talks and speaking to all kinds of of, of groups of individuals how has the science community um take because obviously they're one of the great things about your survival and your ability to come back to your place in life as the new unique person that you are is it gives a lot of hope and inspiration to other people who have suffered any type of brain injury you know because yeah it's been really wonderful um many of my presentations are sponsored by medical schools or nursing schools OTPT, speech therapy schools, mm. uh, will bring me in um, as a keynote speaker for their students. Uh, the book is, um, uh, it's been translated and it is being translated into 28 languages, so it's going all over the world. Wonderful. Um, it's having some profound impact on smaller countries where the medical community can read the book and get educated in, because it's a different way of thinking about neurological trauma and recovery, but the, the medical world uh, is embracing it, and then the people embrace it, and then, the, and then they meet in the middle somewhere. And in smaller countries, it's really much easier to have a bigger influence over the overall system. But in, in the U.S., uh, the book is um, being mandatory reading for many different classes in the different professional medical schools, uh, or not just medical schools, but medical professions. Uh, it's really been beautiful. Um, I, I give quite a few presentations to um, neuro nurses or neuro neurologists or neuroscientists, uh, but the the neuro people are are curious and 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 have been very open to it as well. So so it's it's really been a, a lovely experience for me because my experiences range from uh, the hardcore medical community to uh, to the general public. And then, you know, any, any type of corporation in between uh, or even um, academics. Um, uh, I've been to several um, women's high schools, girls' high schools, 
uh, types of environments. It's been fun for me. It, the diversity of the audience is really everybody with a brain. <laughs> and, and if you're open-minded, remotely open-minded, to exploring how, how to benefit from yours and how to really capitalize on the, the skills and gifts of both hemispheres, it, it's been wonderful. Well, thank you for your contribution. It's wonderful that you wrote the book and that you're touching so many people and also changing some of the way that medical science has looked at the recovery of the brain. Because there, at least when I was in nursing school, um, not too terribly long ago, there was a limited time period offered in terms of how much the brain could recover. And you seem to have changed that um, belief system <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm busting the uh, the walls right off that myth. Yeah, uh, but but you know, it's um, when you think about the science itself. There's there's really no new science to my story. Mm-hmm. Um, the the science of what's going on in the right hemisphere. I haven't brought anything new to that, uh, except an experience. What does it actually feel like to not have language? And I think that for most of us, it's impossible to imagine that because our left brain is then saying, well, is this that? And, well, it feels like this. And it's still trying to define it through its own own tools, which, of course, is words. So, um, so, so I bring an experience and an understanding. But at the same time, science in the last decade has, has taught us two things that are completely relevant to the ability of the brain to recover. And one is that neuroplasticity exists. Mm-hmm. And neuroplasticity is the ability of the, the cells, the neurons, to rearrange their connections and the networks and the circuits that they're communicating in, which means that the brain I woke up with this morning, I don't have the exact same dendritic processes and synaptic connections as I'm going to go to bed with tonight. Mm-hmm. Because of the ability of these cells to rearrange their, their, their networks of communication, we are capable of recovery. We are capable, those neurons are capable of learning new things. They're capable of possibly taking over functions of other neurons. Um, and then on top of that, scientists have shown that some new neurons actually do grow. And, well, that opens up a, a whole new possibility as far as the brain's concerned, because that means that I'm not stuck with what I was born with. I do have potentially the, the capacity to grow some new cells and some specific circuits that can make significant improvements in the ability of my brain to regain a function or take over the function of, of cells that have died. So, of, of course, it's, it's not uh, uh, 100%. Um, and, and But, you know, what I say is I believe that is, it is always possible for, for anyone to increase their quality of living if they pay attention to the circuitry and what they want to get out of the circuitry and if they're willing to take the steps they need in order to set those cells up for success, which might mean changing some of your behaviors, like mm-hmm. getting more sleep, paying attention to what you're eating, what you're drinking, uh, that kind of thing. Right. And speaking of success, you said in the book, too, that one of the things that really helped you and your mother was instrumental in helping you in your recovery. Very patient she was, <laughs> which was lovely, yeah. um, is that you, you needed people to celebrate the successes that you had during the day because that inspired you to continue to have more successes. Absolutely. We needed to focus on the positive. We needed to focus on my ability, not my disability. And we needed to celebrate every little success along the way. 
when my mother came back into my life, she recognized that I was a survivor. I had survived that stroke. I did not die. I was not a stroke victim. I was a survivor, and she was going to treat me as though I was a survivor. And then it was a matter of trying to figure out what did I need in order to recover. And if all I was exhausted and I was just desperate for sleep, then she believed that my brain knew better than any doctor could know what my brain needed. Mm. And if it's desperate for sleep, then she was intuitive, and she followed her intuition, and she let me sleep. So she did things rather non-conventionally, really based on on following the lead in what what did I need. Wow, that's amazing. That's wonderful. Yeah, it was really perfect. And there's a great. This this is a woman who who was not trained medically. She was not trained intuitively. She was a professor of mathematics her whole life, uh, which is you know a very cognitive thinking kind of human. So so it's not like she had any advantage over anyone else. She just paid attention and tried to give my brain what it needed. Wow, wow. And also you said that you needed people to love you for the person that you were becoming, not the person that you had been. I mean, of course, yeah. I love you for both, but appreciate right. the person that you were becoming because, of course, we're different or we can be very different as our brain yeah. heals. Well, if, the, if my objective in the process of recovery was to recover whom I had been, I had been a, a brain scientist at Harvard at the top of my game, and in, when I lost the left hemisphere, that woman died that day, that her, her knowledge died, her interests, I had now different likes and dislikes, uh, I had different skill set, I didn't have the cognitive mind capacity that she had, I was, I was somebody new, and, and we actually mourned the death of that person, and oh, everyone in my family understood that the goal was not to recover whom I had been. The goal was to help me find my way as, an, as a new person in the world with new likes and new dislikes, and that that was going to be okay. And, and my mother's one goal for me was that I could live independently again. And she had absolutely no perception that, that if she set me up for success early on, that my mind would be able to recover to the capacity of the person that I had been before. Uh, I'm very different than I used to be, but I do have her cognitive skills. I do have uh, all, all capacity and function. Oh, that's absolutely wonderful. And we're going to go ahead and take a break here on the Marie Menu Cherry Show, and we'll be right back with Dr. Taylor. Do you sail blindly through life with no compass, stuck in dead-end jobs and failed relationships? Do you know deep in your heart that you have a purpose in this lifetime and should be living a happier, more fulfilling life? Ainsley McLeod is ready to walk you through the instruction based on his book, which is a simple step-by-step system for decoding your soul. He'll teach you how to live the life your soul intended and guide you to a greater sense of clarity, joy, and self-understanding all in a matter of nine spectacular days. Join author and psychic Ainsley McLeod and Hills of Africa Travel for Soul Safari in South Africa this October. You will experience the awesome energetic boost of the African bush, the exhilarating nature of game viewing, and the therapeutic leisure activities of one fabulous vacation. Only 32 lucky people will have access to this incredible life-changing journey. 
For more information, go to energyintuitive.com. Join Marie at the Marriott Redmond Town Center and become a Reiki master the weekend of July 17th. This two-and-a-half-day transformative workshop is open to all levels of experience and will certify you in Reiki 1, 2, and 3. You'll learn how to move energy within the body by practicing on other workshop participants while Marie uses her symbolic sight to provide individual feedback. You'll learn detailed information about the chakra system. You'll receive attunements with guided meditation that allow you to practice Reiki at the master level. Reiki is still Marie's favorite modality. This is truly a transformative weekend with healing and guided meditation. Enrollment is limited. Please call 425-825-5671 for more information or check out Marie's website at energyintuitive.com. If you're in the Tacoma area and would like an energy healing, contact Mark Smith. Mark has been attuned as a Reiki master by none other than Marie Manucheri. He also works with reconnective energy and matrix energetics. If you would rather stay in the comfort of your own home or live outside the Tacoma area, Mark is able to do distant healings worldwide. Call 360-893-8991 or visit his website at healing-with-energy.com. The new mainstream of talk radio. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And this is the Marine Manu Cherry Show. We are back live with Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor, who wrote the book, My Stroke of Insight. Dr. Taylor is a Harvard um, brain anatomist who now teaches. You're not teaching at Harvard these days. Is that correct, Jill? No, I moved back home to Indiana. Wow. So you're teaching at the university there? Uh, I do, but I haven't had time in the last year because of all the popularity. <laughs> I know. When I met you and I asked you if you would come on the radio show, you said, oh, sure, I'd love to. And I said, well, you know, you're going to be in Oprah in a couple of weeks, so maybe in about a year. <laughs> and you said, yeah, <laughs> good idea, good idea. And um, so now you've you've rested up a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one of it's, the, yeah. it's been a it's been a great great ride. Yeah. Oh, I know what a wonderful thing. I mean, what a great reward too. And and that what you've learned is is helping so many people in so many areas of life. And what you've contributed to it must feel fantastic to be able to contribute to science and like what you said, everyone has a brain, um, so it can certainly affect everyone in some way. And what yeah, it, I feel blessed. Oh, yes, absolutely. I know you just exuded energy on the stage in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. You're just glowing with your long yeah. blonde hair. So, Well, you know, you, you give me a, give me an audience and a microphone, and I'm very happy, and so <laughs> are they. And, and it's because, it's you know, we all do have a brain, and I think most people want to know more about how do I get this thing to do what I want it to do so that I can manifest prosperity in my own life and get out of my own way emotionally. Absolutely. And that's what, that's what we talk about. Absolutely. That's exactly what I would love to talk about. Because in the book, you talk about the, the loops of thought, those running rampant thoughts of worry and sometimes jealousy and anger and frustration and h- how to get out of them, how to not let them, you know, drive you down the road, sort of speak. Right. Exactly. What, what say do I have in, in how my brain is spending its time? And in our society, we don't teach our children that you do have more control over what's going on. And so as a result, we all run on automatic. 
Right. And automatic is it leaves us really vulnerable to stimulation from the external world without a whole bunch of cognition about what are we doing and how do I want to develop the circuitry in my brain so that I do spend more time thinking about the kinds of things that I that I want and manifesting what I want my life to be. Right. And so we don't have to have a stroke to have damage to our neurons to initiate, <laughs> you know, regrowth and development. The brain is forever growing and changing, cellularly speaking, at any rate. Exactly. Right. Exactly. No right. matter what your what your situation is, the cells are creating new connections. Uh, and for me, I, I think the you know the number one w- rule is the: Are you willing to pay attention to the thoughts that you are thinking and to the emotional circuitry that you are running? And because you have to observe it and and be willing to recognize that it's running instead of feeling anger, recognize that you're, you are running anger circuitry instead of running jealousy, being jealous, and, and having those thoughts, you, you're running a jealousy circuitry. And, and just in the willingness of being able to observe what is going on in, in your brain instead of being it, you, you take a step away and you're witnessing it and you've cut away the power of that circuitry. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah, I think, think we, the, any normal person, uh, ha, first, though, has to be willing to pay attention to their thoughts. Mm-hmm. And then paying attention to the thought after you recognize that you're running anger or anxiety, then t- re- talking to your mind and giving it a different story. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Either that, or or make or recognize that you know um, I'm running this jealousy circuitry. I know what jealousy feels like inside of my body. It feels absolutely awful. I think these thoughts, and I end up feeling this awful stuff inside of my body. Well, then, do I have the capacity to stop thinking the thoughts that stimulate that emotional circuitry? And you do. You have the capacity to make the decision to change your mind of what you think about and to think about something else. Preoccupy yourself. Think new things. Learn something new. Um, but again, if that jealousy circuitry feels so delicious to run, then it wants to keep thinking those thoughts and keep running that circuitry, but it makes you nuts. Right. Yeah, because you just end up giving it more power. Exactly. More freedom to grow and get stronger. And, and then, of course, well, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, that's one of the, the simple rules of, of neurons and the cells in the brain is reverberating circuitry, which mm-hmm. simply says that the more a circuit runs, the less energy it takes to get that circuit to run some more. Mm-hmm. So it begins to reverberate on its own and to run automatically. Mm-hmm. So if we're not willing to, to break that circuit, it's just going to run on and on and on, and the more obsessive thoughts you think, and the more you run that circuitry, the stronger that circuitry becomes, and the harder it is for you to stop thinking those obsessive thoughts. Wow. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And and also what you've learned is this receptivity towards energy, you know, feeling space and feeling choices. Like, uh, obviously, you've been asked to speak all over the world, you know, and is there sometimes where a place feels like, yeah, I can't wait to speak there, or another time where maybe it doesn't feel like uh, another place that may not feel like you want to speak there? Have Is that also something you've gained in your new awarenesses since the stroke? Well, it's interesting. Um, we've been so popular uh, since that TED Talk hit the, the Internet that uh, we, ha- we don't have to solicit for anything. Right. 
and people come to us. Right. And so we attract people who find the message attractive, hmm. which is great. Right. <laughs> you know, whether it's a medical community or an educational environment or a public uh, presentation, it's, you know, people are coming because they want to come. People are inviting me to come because they know the message, they, they value the message, they want to increase that message in their communities. So I'm, I've been very, very blessed that um, I, I go where people want me to go. So, so I haven't had a lot of anxiety or a lot of, of negative emotion around any of it because it's forced. Wonderful. Um, yeah, and, and I'm the kind of girl that I like a good challenge. You know, I love an <laughs> audience that laughs at my jokes. Um, and, but those are the, the easy crowds. The, the harder crowds are the 8 o'clock in the morning. Um, group, which isn't quite awake yet and doesn't quite know uh, if they want to think about their own brains because they'd really rather still be in bed um, <laughs> sleeping. But but it's uh, it's fun for me because every audience is different. They're all different sizes. They're in different uh, venues. Um, you know, sometimes it's a classroom type of environment. Sometimes it is a church. Uh, which is a very different environment. Uh, sometimes it's an auditorium, which is a very different environment. So they're all different, and mm-hmm. I love to travel. And um, as long as I have, have plenty of uh, travel time where I get to have some downtime where I'm at, because I, I like to explore new environments. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I would never have known that, that we, you had desert yeah. in your state if right. I hadn't been there. I wouldn't <laughs> believe it if somebody told me. Right. We've got the nice, beautiful green, lots of rain, and then some areas of our um, state that are quite dry and very desert Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Tumbleweeds. Tumbleweeds. I, I mean, I could not Tumbleweeds, it. yeah. So, yeah. so what we're going to do is open up our phone lines. Eric, why don't you go ahead and hand out those phone numbers for us? All right. If you'd like to give us a call, we'd love to hear from you at 425-373-5527 or toll-free in Western Washington or throughout the world. I, I get used to saying that, I but we've got, a, we've got a toll-free number right. for all of you out there at 877-825-8828. That's 877-825-8828. And we've already got a couple calls. We do. We do. And so, Jill, um, we're, I'm asking people to call in who have any questions about strokes, of course, but anything also about how to change your thinking, um, how to get to a right track, because Jill, I'm sure, would be happy to answer those questions. And so who do we have on the phone, Eric? We've got Anne calling from Mercer Island right now. Great. Hi, Anne. Hi, Marie. How are you? Great. Um, Hi, Anne. uh, Hi. It's great (laughs) to talk to you, Dr. Taylor. I just wanted to say that I I find your message really inspiring. I heard you talk on Oprah's Soul Series, and I was really, really impressed by your um, message that you had, that it made a difference, the attitude of the nurse or the person that came in the room and that even yeah. when you were in a state, when you didn't have good um, language skills, that you really picked up on their energy. And I thought that was a really important message. Yeah, it, you know, in the, thank you. And in the absence of that language and the left hemisphere, I just came into the present moment experience and everything was energy. And people either brought me energy or took energy away from me. And when, when you're in that level of, of critical illness, or really when you, any time in your life, uh, I think it's really important that people take responsibility for the energy they bring to a situation. And um, that was certainly enormously important in my condition when I was that ill. I just needed people to come in and get love. 
I needed professionals to treat me with respect and to, to honor me and to recognize that I was wounded and not stupid. And, well, and it made all the difference. I just think that's such a beautiful message. I think if people were aware of the, the energy that they're um, giving out all the time and all their interactions, how, how, how much of an improved environment it would feel like just to be in the world. So I think that's, that's so valuable. Yeah, good point, good point. Um, and, and I encourage you to share that with people in your circle because the more you talk about it with them, the more they get it, the more you get it, the more you all start busting one another on right. the kind of energy that you are bringing in and really don't want to be in that space. Right. Then the more, the more aware we are and the more responsibility we take. Right, right. Beautiful. So good for you. Thank you, Anne. Thank you. Um, and I also am wondering, Marie, is it possible for you to give me an energy reading, like just a quick kind of check-in? Sure, sure, I can give you a reading. So um, has your back been stiff lately or sore at all? Um, my back does tend to be sore uh-huh. sometimes. <laughs> it tends to be sore, yeah. I'm actually in mid-spine, so the back of your solar plexus, but your entire spine from C1 to the tip of your coccyx is highlighted for me. Okay. And the fact that it tends to be sore for you could, because um, the, the spine is the will center um, uh-huh. and all the back portions of the chakras that are connected there. It means that you may be forcing your will a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I know you're a go-getter. I can, I can feel that over the phone, obviously. You're a great go-getter. You're very organized. You're very caring. But sometimes you just have to let things be, just like how you and Dr. Taylor were talking about, you know, maybe challenge people to, to maintain their energy in a, in a positive way, but also most importantly is where's your energy and if your energy is in a positive place then that's most important right so so i'm just going to ask that you use the mantra i surrender i surrender i surrender okay (laughs) so that you let all of those gorgeous cervical vertebrae in your spine relax so that you won't have that tightness in your back and and just remember that you are you really are a kind and gracious person so you don't have to work so hard to be a good person, uh, you seem to be naturally, in my opinion. Thank you. Thank you. Is that helpful? Yes, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Thank you. I also, can I just say, I did attend your Reiki class a couple years ago, and I think it's, it's a wonderful experience. So oh. for other people who might be listening, who might be considering it, it's, it was a really valuable experience, and I use it a lot just on myself and my family, and so I really enjoy having this the, the skills. Wonderful. Thank you for saying that. I'm so glad you enjoyed it and then you can use it with your family. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Anne. And so we have another caller. We have got, uh, right now we're going to go to Sherry calling from Kent. Great. Sherry? Yes. Hi. We've got Dr. Taylor here. Hi. Hi, um, Sherry. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank I'm you. Good. For- I um, I have so much going on in my mind. I've been practicing Reiki for the last, like, six months and doing a lot more of it. And I actually had an awakening experience a couple weeks ago where I did a Raising Your Vibration workshop. Mm-hmm. And I left there, and all of a sudden I could hear my spirit guides loud and clear. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of driving me crazy. And I had a friend say, you can tell them to slow down. But the biggest thing, which kind of goes into what you've been talking about, is I've always had trouble with reading. I was diagnosed dyslexic as a kid, and also I never could sing. I never could carry a tune, and I had surgery a year and a half ago, ankle replacement, so I've been in a lot of pain, which the Reiki has helped a lot with. But 
with that awakening, all of that, I could read, I could carry a tune, my foot didn't hurt, I had no fear, and I could communicate with people and say, like, what they needed to hear. It was like I was connected with my spirit guides, whereas before I think I could hear them, but it was jumbled. It never came in um, clear to me as it was. And it lasted for about two weeks, and now this week I can still hear them, but it's not... I'm not, the anxieties come back a little bit. And I just wonder, what they've kind of told me is that it is, it has everything to do with raising my vibration and energy levels and keeping it as balanced as I can. But that's where I'm kind of at, as where to go from here, and kind of a fear of that's gone forever, <laughs> that feeling. Hmm. Well, from a, a neuro perspective, um, uh, Marie, you and I are going to be an interesting combination on this one. I know. I'm so From excited. From a perspective, um, I had a comparable experience where before the stroke, I could not um, uh, sing in tune at all. And um, and my my hearing, I've always been kind of a loud person because I. it turns out I couldn't, uh, even though I had normal hearing on a scale, it, it was muted in my brain. And after the stroke, things completely shifted for me in what circuitry was functioning in what way. And so now I'm actually singing tune, and, um, and I, I, hear, I hear differently now in the stroke situation, but I'm aware that I think I, I do it differently now than I did before. So from a circuitry perspective, I think that, you know, circuits get turned on and turned off. They get inhibited by other other circuits that are, are perhaps um, drowning them out in one way or another. Um, but for me, I always go back to how does this feel inside of my body? And when you talk about anxiety, you know what anxiety feels like inside of your body. Everything gets set up. There's a, an acceleration in your cognitive thinking mind. Um, you start doing the what ifs. There's an urgency. Uh, anxiety has a physiological response inside of your body that the mind uh, can match. So, so what I do for my own circuitry is when I feel myself shifting into anxiety, for me it's an acceleration of thought. And so I just completely bring myself back to the present moment. I bring, I breathe more deeply. I pay attention to to the energy of the, the immediate present moment, taking me away from the fear thoughts that are attached to my amygdala, which is causing everything else to, to speed up. So, so that's my response. Marie, it's all yours. I think your response was absolutely perfect, and I, I think you're a perfect guest for this caller because, you know... Yes, the, the, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. The connection that you had shows you that you are connected. And that there's just this temporary anxiety, like Dr. Taylor said, is very, very intense. People have complete physiological shifts in their body from anxiety. And unfortunately, with with most of the things that we continue to feel over a period of time, they take over. And it's very challenging to get back to that place. You have to kind of fight for it. You have to really work at it. As Dr. Taylor said, she'll use everything within her being to get back to that present moment place. So I think your experience is profound and wonderful. What a blessing. What an incredible blessing. Absolutely. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Um, I decided I'm going to start massage school in September. And um, I just wanted to see if you could do an energy reading, see if I'm on track and um, anything. 
Right. Well, well, you are you are on track. I know you want to work somehow in the holistic community in terms of helping others. That that obvious is that's obvious. I think that doing something that brings you confidence would be important for you. I do think that if you move into massage therapy, that you'll ultimately move into energy medicine. That's what I think that you'll do. And so you can learn a lot about anatomy in massage school and how to work with the body and, and muscles and and all of those wonderful things. So I, I see it as um, a place for you to gain some confidence within yourself and then you'll eventually move on to some form of energy medicine or combination, perhaps, because body work is wonderful. In fact, Dr. Taylor talks about this um, body work extensively in the book about how it brings it. It moves the, the lymph fluid, of course, clears away the cells and brings you back to the moment. Is that right, Dr. Taylor? Exactly. It's wonderful. Yeah, I get it. It's, yeah. it's like a it's like a big flush body. <laughs> That's really nice. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, and you got it. That absolutely. <laughs> That's wonderful. So is that helpful, Sherry? <laughs> yeah, that is helpful. And then just one more question on the if that awakening, which I know it will, where the spirit guides are communicating so clearly. It kind of got scary because I didn't know where it was taking me because they were giving me such beautiful images of like the world and where we're going. What's the best way when to process that information and not and what to expect? Doctor Taylor, do you have an, an answer for that? You know, my, my, all my response is to uh, recognize that fear is a circuitry, and that when you're when you're when you're running unusual circuitries you're not familiar with, then it can be terrifying. And um, but the the terrifying is usually unwarranted unless there's some kind of chemical substrate that is involved with the process that is fixing the cell circuitry in a different way. So um, uh, I, I think that the fear and, and recognizing that it's fear and fear, the best definition I ever heard of fear is um, excitement without enough oxygen. <laughs> so I'm just going to encourage you to breathe deeper and trust. Oh, I think that's gorgeous. Thank you so much, Dr. Taylor. Yes. That was great. Thank you, Sherry. Have a wonderful Thank day. Thank you so much. Alrighty, bye-bye. And we're going to go right back to the phone lines. Let's talk to Kathy calling from Eugene. Great. Hi, Marie. Hi, Dr. Taylor. It's wonderful Hi, to Kathy. be able to be on your show. Wonderful. Oh, I wanted to tell um, Dr. Taylor that I, I have her book, I've read her book, and I've told both my children that if I ever have a stroke, make sure you read this book first before you talk to anybody else. <laughs> you know, it's like, I thought, wow, everyone needs to know this information. Nice. Um, Thank you. And the other thing I really um, found useful in, in the interview you're doing right now is just the idea or the fact around brain circuitry and how you can sort of like make a groove in it so that it's easier for you to go back there each time, like if it's fear or anxiety or, and that's a good thing for me to remember so I can turn that circuitry off and not have it be so easy to access again. Exactly. And, and, and again, once you're willing to observe it and to witness it and to say, I do options, and all I really have to do is bring my mind back into the present moment, the magnificence of what I am as a living creature. I mean, stop and think. You are the life force power of 50 trillion beautiful cells that are in all this glory of having the experience. And you're running a little fraction of that called your fear circuitry, which has the power to save your life. I mean, that's the beauty of it. And mm -hmm. you have this 
brain chatter in your, your head because it can save your life. And we thank them. We're great for their service, but we don't want them to, to really be dominant and to run our world. Right, right. Yeah, thank you so much for that. Also, Marie, I'd love to have a brief reading if you have time. Yeah, okay, sure. Uh, there's a couple things when I'm scanning your body. I'm in your neck. It's tight for me. I'm also at the back of your head, which is where I'm going to put all my focus because that's where I'm being told. But then I would love to bring up your digestive system too as well. So those are the places where I'm in, in your body at the moment. Um, but the back of the head is highlighted for me. Have you been getting headaches or having any tension at the back of your head lately? Um, no. Okay, so the back of the head is about intuition. It's the entry place for psychic phenomena is right below the occipital ridge. And when I look at the back of your skull, energetically, the whole place is open. The whole backside of your skull is open, meaning that it's not just at the occipital ridge where psychic phenomena could be flowing into your body or awareness of multisensory experiences. That's a great way to describe it, by the way. Uh, the whole back of your head is absorbing intuitive information. And and because it's highlighted for me, my first thought is, well, maybe you're um, perhaps uh, avoiding your intuition or not feeling comfortable with it, which sometimes can show up as a headache. So are you paying attention to your intuition? Well, actually, I'm, I've been working really hard mm. to, to open that. Well, you have. <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, I've been seeing energy intuitives. I saw, oh. you la- I saw you and Eugene last September. Lovely. And I've been listening to your CDs, and I've been, I mean, I've been really, you know, shifting gears and focusing on, in that direction just in the last several weeks. So that's really interesting that you... It's completely wide open, but highlighted with a little bit of gray, which made me think, well, maybe she's having headaches. So uh, maybe the gray is the fear, you know, if you're having some fear regarding your intuition, right? Um, uh Also remembering that what's important to remember, too, is that everyone is multisensory. I think it's normal for people to sense things outside of our third dimensional space or layered within our third dimensional experience. And because it's not something we're we're taught in school uh, on a regular basis or ever, um, sometimes we have fear (laughs) regarding it. (laughs) Right. Something that Dr. Taylor has learned, you know, (laughs) with all the beautiful experiences she's had. So are you afraid of your intuition? Well, I think a huge issue for me is trusting it. Ah. because the conditioned mind part of logic and reason and rational thought is so strong, right. telling me to go one direction, and this is the other direction that I'd really rather go, mm-hmm. and I, I can sense that there are blocks or there's something there that won't let me fully go there. Well, you're very intuitive to pick up on that, and, and the way I look at it is that, you know, intuition... Following your intuition is not a logical experience, at least it isn't for me. It's really a joyful experience. When I feel overjoyed and impassioned and excited about something, that is the sign for me to move forward in that direction, even if it has very little common sense wrapped into it. So Uh, I would also keep an intuitive journal. Start writing down the intuitive impressions that you're getting or the energy that you're seeing, because Mm -hmm. you can look back at it as it's validated or as it becomes more concrete in your life experience. So you can look back and go, wow, I'm so good. Even four months ago, I saw something like that or experienced something like this. Mm-hmm. So that's, mm-hmm. those are the suggestions I have. What about you, Dr. Taylor? What do you have? Um, I got to tell you, you're, you're in a realm that, that <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't understand. <laughs> all, all I know is, is I just be it. Ah. You know, and to me, I'm I I just don't have language for it. For me, it's it's a, a matter of of being open, being being perceptive, just being open 
uh, to it, and and for me, it's just a, a real shift. And it can be it can be kind of terrifying because you do lose the definition, and you do lose the identity and the ego and the attachment to the details. So. So it's, it is a big step to trust that and to recognize that it's okay for me to go there because when I come back, this all will still be here. Oh, I think that mm-hmm. was perfect mm-hmm. what you said to yeah. be it, you know, to step away from everything and just be that intuitive experience. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. Well, mm-hmm. so, Kathy, that's all we have time for today. Okay. I hope that's well, thank helpful. You so much. You're thank welcome. Thank you so much, both of you. And, and Dr. Taylor, thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule and coming on the show and telling us your story and teaching us. I so appreciate it. No, well, it's, uh, it's a joy and a pleasure, and I'm glad that, uh, that you stuck to me uh, from Jackson Hole and yeah. that we managed that we got to have this happen. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Have a wonderful afternoon on the lake. Thanks, Maria. You take good care. You too. And okay, just, bye-bye. Bye-bye now. And I will be live interviewed on The Gary Mance Show on... August 9th, which is a Sunday. I believe it starts at 8 o'clock at night. And I will be at East West Bookshop on August 7th in Seattle, 730 to 930. Thank you so much, everyone. Joyful blessings until next week.